Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency and Money Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Tony Guerra, pharmacist and publisher, bringing you help succeeding in your career, health, and wealth before, during, and after residency. You can sign up for the email list at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com to get your free LOI template or get editing help working one-on-one with me at residency.teachable.com. Okay, this is part two with the financial tortoise, and uh, we're going to go over the other steps to optimizing where to put your money. Uh, and again, I think that while this may be you know, a little bit more on, on the advanced side in terms of uh, where you are, uh, knowing where you're going is such a huge part of it. So if you've got any questions, tell me the pharmacist at gmail.com, but let's get started with the show. Um, much like when we're on a plane, they tell you to put your oxygen on yourself first, then on the person next to you. Um, you've got the children and the 529 is number six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard this is, is, is good advice as well, where you really want to focus on your retirement first and then, you know, work on, uh, you know, helping with the college and things like that. Um, what was your kind of rationale for putting that in the sixth position? Yeah, I mean, uh, you nailed it on the head. Um, I think uh, the big kind of the buckets, the tax advantage buckets for most people are the 401ks and the Roth IRAs. And if you have HSA, that's uh, really nice. So if you can, if you have those buckets already set and established that you're funneling money to, then I think um, uh, a five to nine is a great a vehicle to start saving for your kid's college. Um, and sooner you can do it, the better it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, you, you've already nailed it in the head as regards to, you know, putting our mask on first. And then we, once we have a good, good seal, yeah. we start, you know, thinking about, <laughs> thinking about our kids. Yeah. Because uh, you, you will pass out once you start <laughs> seeing the the prices of, of the colleges and things. And then just personally, have you, um, how did you make the decision as to how much uh, to put into the the 529s? Um, we just said, all right, well, in-state tuition is 10000 a year. Let's say you go for ten five years each. We're going to put in 150000 which may be closer to one eighty by the time they get there in six years. Yeah. But how did you make that decision? Yeah, so this one, I don't have a good uh, kind of a number for it. Um, I think... I straddle somewhere between, I guess, uh, I, like I used to have a fixed amount. And then now I think I try to put in as much as I could. Um, so I don't have a good answer for it. And I okay. think the reason is because uh, with college, I feel like there is a lot of creative options we can take. And mm-hmm. five to nine is just one, I think, uh, kind of a lever that we can pull which is great to have. So I think I, I want to fund it, um, but I don't want, I don't feel like I want to fund it to be able to com- cover hundred percent of the, of my kids tuition. Okay. Because I feel like after having gone through the experience of, um, so my, when I went to undergrad, I, uh, uh, I did ROTC an army ROTC program. So they paid okay. for my college. Okay. And then, um, I didn't have any student debt coming out of college, but then I was, uh, I I did I took that for granted when I went to grad school. <laughs> and then I took on student loans. So I feel right. like after having gone through, made all these dumb mistakes, I feel like I I there are a lot of different creative ways to approach college. I think there's a lot of um companies that are willing to sponsor um uh a sponsor students. And I feel like, you know, with my wife, she when she did nursing, her student loan was pretty small because she contracted with the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, to go work there. I'm pretty sure with a lot of, there's a lot of pharmacists, a lot of hospitals that contract with pharmacists. Am I? No, we, well, we, we tend to take advantage of the PSLF. Okay. Um, got it. So the, the nonprofits and, and kind of eventually the, they, they go away. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's options. So this is where like, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a fixed number regarding five two nines. Okay. All right, well, let's do another number. Now we're we're maxing out our 401k. So for someone who's 51 like me, um, because I get the uh, catch up, I can mm-hmm. I'm putting in I can put in thirty thousand. And to some people, that number just seems incredible. Like they're they're trying to save three hundred a month, much less thirty thousand uh, dollars mm-hmm. for a year. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, tell me a little bit about now you you've kind of crossed over where now I don't want to say you're really making it because even with that much money, the amount that uh, retirement can cost. But tell me a little bit about maxing out the 401k and, and how that works. And and really, the more money you put into this tax advantage, the less taxes you're paying in the year. Right. So it's, it can be somewhat affordable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest levers for high income earners um, in order to lower your taxable income. This is kind of the low hanging fruit mm-hmm. um, that uh, more money, every dollar you put into the 401k, those are money that you don't have to pay taxes on today. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, because of that um, rationale that you can lower your taxes today, I think trying to put as much money into the 401k in my, my book is also a no-brainer. And I think the other aspect uh, is on the withdrawal. I know there's R&D um, that catches a lot of people in the end, but you can still you have control over how much you can withdraw from the 401k down the line, Yeah, which you can control the, you know, they call it like tax arbitrage. You don't pay yeah, tax yeah. up front. And then like at the end, you let it grow, you know, tax deferred. And it's not like tax-free like HSA completely, but then you, if you can control your ink, your, your withdrawal at the end, you, you could be, you're paying much less in taxes than you'll be paying taxes up front. Uh, uh, when you're at the higher income, you know, bracket when you're in your full working years. So yeah, I mean, 401k in my mind, it's just a, such a low hanging fruit that you can easily um, uh, put more more money in the market and then um, lower your taxable income today as well. Okay. Um, the next one's taxable. And I kind of want to pair these up because what's happening is a, a lot of people, a lot of people are putting money into money markets. Um I don't understand treasuries and, and bonds uh, well enough to to speak to them. I just know that when I go into my um, uh, account, I can get a little over 5% mm-hmm. just for putting it in that kind of account. So if somebody has the choice of buying stocks and getting this 5% return, where would it make sense for them to put the stocks and where would it make sense for them to put the thing that's going to collect the dividends? Would the dividend one go in the 401k? So it's tax deferred. And then the stocks go in like a, you know, you have a great video on why you buy index funds Would the index fund go into the 401k so that you're, you know, or would it be the other way around? What would make more sense taxable account versus 401k? Uh, so regarding, um, so we have two choices of investments where we've got a, an S and P index okay. like FX, AIX, mm-hmm. something like that. And we've got a, an account like SPRXX, which is a money market, which will mm. provide dividends throughout the year. So let's say there's a hundred thousand of S and P and a hundred thousand of, um, dividend, you know, yielding money market account. Mm-hmm. You have those hundred thousands. Which one would belong in the taxable account? Which one would belong in the four hundred one k for to tax advantage? It, I guess, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess index funds in general are are already tax advantaged. Okay. Um, so then, um, I wouldn't. So I think there are some nuances as regards to what's slightly more tax advantage when you're comparing like let's say bonds versus like like a bond index fund versus like stock index fund mm-hmm. i think but i would actually say for most people it really doesn't make that big of a difference okay um because i think we're like kind of it's like you know it's the minutiae and then um like uh as long as we're putting money into the market, as much money into the market as possible, that's what matters. It's not like how, especially if you're, if, if our strategy is very simple, kind of like what I talk about in my channel is mm-hmm. simplify as much as possible. Three simple bond broad fund. market. Yeah. Three fund. I would even, sometimes I even say just like two fund is even enough. And yeah. for most young people, um, is like one fund. 
is fine. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, there's no even need to think about the VTSAX you're done. Or, yeah, exactly. You know. Like, and then just whatever in all your accounts, simplify mm-hmm. it and put as much money into it as possible. I would say if you're kind of talking about, um, like, uh, so then the, the whole two fund strategy is there is it really based upon you have bucket of money that you're putting into the market to work for you, the equities fund. And that could be represented by like a VTSAX uh-huh. or uh, FXIX. I think you were mentioning earlier regarding fidelity. That's your, that's what's going to grow your wealth. And then there's the other bucket of money that's kind of providing you this cushion. So okay. I, that could be cash savings or money market account, as long as it's liquid and you can access it. Okay. So this is where I would say when we're thinking about taxable account, um, I, what is the purpose of that taxable account? Do you want that to appreciate with the market in order that you can use that as as a way to um, you can tap into that as part of your you know your nest egg when you're retired or you want to access you have money that you want to access before you're retired. And then I think everything else would be used as kind of your um, emergency fund slash cushion slash okay. living expenses. Gotcha. And I think within those buckets, you can try to say, okay, like if I if I have a liquid money market account and I can get a 5%, why not? Then right. let me put that money in there. And, um, and then I would keep, you know, another three, six months into just a regular savings or checking account that... Uh, that I can access on a daily basis. Okay. So I think I would, I, I kind of like to look at it that way and okay. just kind of simplifying, like if it's an investing for a long-term strategy, it's really just one bucket. It's just as much okay. money into an equities fund as possible, whether it's in a taxable and a 401k or Roth, it doesn't matter. And okay. then I think there's the other bucket, which is just kind of my liquid cash. And then if I can try to get a little bit more return on those liquid cash, better it is. But I think we also have to be cautious regarding uh, not, you know, like a CDs are nice, they're tempting. However, you're also locking your money in for six months, like a year. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to happen in those, those years. Right. And then is that extra 5% that you're getting? Is it really like, is that going to make a difference in the long run? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So it, it sounds like um, I'm reading just keep buying uh, who says just what you did, which was just keep putting money in. But, um, there's massive correlation between the more money you have that your savings rate goes up. So Mm -hmm. if, you know, for example, when I was working at Wendy's for three 35 an hour, gosh, there was, there was no savings. And then I got my first job and there was some savings, but then when I had side hustles and my job, then there was more savings. So that, you know, with that keep savings, now we get into the taxable account. Now you put the taxable account before low interest debt. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so low interest, I mean, it's uh like I made this video like a couple years ago when the interest rate, you know, was very different. <laughs> so it's hard to say. Like at the time when I was talking about interest rates, I was, you know, like high was like five percent, but now like that's you know, that's the standard almost. Um, so the logic regarding low interest debt. And I think this was where, um, in my mind at the time, was like anything lower than like three percent. Um, okay. I think uh, um, it's okay to pay those down later. It almost kind of buckets together as like you know most home mortgage home mortgage loans are within that bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that was kind of the logic behind it. That uh, okay. uh, you want to you want to try to get as much high interest debt off your books as possible. But then um, as early as possible in order that you can free up more dollars to put into the market. But then um, if you have anything, you know, that's uh, below 3%, no major rush, you know, uh, to pay those off. Um, Yeah, I mean, in today's world, it's, uh, it's interesting. I don't think the answer is as clear. You know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really depend upon the individual and then the kind of loans that we're getting now. Right. And I mean, if, if someone had followed your, your advice, uh, you know, starting October, you know, the, the S and P just blew up, the NASDAQ blew up uh, and, uh, you know, it's done amazingly well. Um, but one of the very emotional 
things is paying off that mortgage. And they used to have yeah. mortgage burning parties before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that that's the last one on your list. But I feel yeah. like that would be the most emotionally satisfying mm-hmm. um, of them. Um, is that something you guys have done or you, you've seen some of the people on your channel say, Hey, I paid off my mortgage. I got to step 10. Yeah. Thank yeah. You yeah. I've seen people, uh, pay off their mortgage, which is commendable. I mean, I think, uh, this is one of those, uh, very personal kind of a decision. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of at the end of the list because essentially it's saying if you're at a decision point where you're thinking about paying off your mortgage or not essentially you're in a really good financial position. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're maxing out your 401k, you're <laughs> investing in a taxable account. And this, that's a good problem to have. Uptown problems. <laughs> yeah. Very, very uptime problems. Um, so at that point, I mean, it's, you know, the world is your oyster. You can, you can choose your own adventure. You know, if <laughs> you feel like paying off mortgage is going to give you that emotional um, kind of a, you know, like peace, then all for it. But at the same time, you know, there's also the mathematical question of like, let's say you have uh, like a 3%, you know, mortgage, um, then mathematically, you know, no one can predict the future, but, you know, based on historical trend, you can get better returns in the market right? or even a CD at this point or a money yeah. market. So yeah. then, you know, but yeah, there's no like right or wrong answer here, because if you got to this point, where you max out your 401k, you max out your Roth, you have a taxable account. I mean, you already won the game. At this yeah. point, it's just, you know, you're just, you get to choose an adventure in which direction you want to go. I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard Susie Orman has 25 million, 24 million of which are in bonds, only 1 million in stocks. Mm-hmm. She said, I already won the game. I don't need right. to, to, to risk anything. You right, know, right, right, that. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, I, I always think it's interesting. Wh- where is that? You know, how how have you won the game? You know, where where do you win? But I think if you do get there, you're in you're in very good shape. Though I just got my um, tax bill. The one thing you have to do now is you have to pay your own taxes and you have to have your own escrow, basically. And you know, um, so you have to have if if you've done all right, these, right, right, yeah, then you have the, you know, five thousand dollars or whatever it is to to pay off that tax bill or whatever it is. Right. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Well. I think what's going to happen is, is a lot of people are going to go through this and they're going to say, wow, this is great. Works great. And then all of a sudden be like, but what if, and then, but what if, so can you tell me a little bit about how you meet individually with people for just an hour or four? No, I think it's 45 minutes and kind of answer all of their questions and um, how they could best prepare to make use of that. So, um, you know, if I'm going to pay for someone's time, I want to make good mm-hmm. use of it, not just like, okay, I just have this one question. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do people prepare for that meeting with you? What have the meetings gone like uh, in the past? Yeah, so I uh, offer a one-to-one coaching service. Um, so having run this channel, um, I get a lot of inquiries regarding people wanting input in their financial situation. Um, so I think one of the big benefits, uh, that I've, uh, I've seen people talk about after meeting with me is, you know, uh, there's a lot of noise in the financial industry market. Um, and I've in the past also worked with, um, fund managers or actively managed funds, investment advisors, and it's always hard to decipher kind of, um, like what, the motive behind certain products that they're recommending um <laughs> if they're getting a kickback or if it's just a rep- it's just uh if it's a commission based so it's and then there's so much complexity out there too so i think that's one of the benefits if you just want to talk to someone you know and i'm just you know to be honest i'm just an average guy <laughs> on the internet uh, that likes to talk about money that made a bunch of money mistakes so if you want to get some, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, have to talk through someone um, that doesn't, you know, have kind of a, a skin in the game re- with like an investment firm. Um, I think this could be a good service. And that's what a lot of the people that I've spoken to have um, voiced out. And one of the best ways I've seen people prepare is, you know, I think just thinking through all the major money questions that you might have. So a lot of people wanted 
uh, one of the best, I think that one of the best sessions have been kind of going through like their 401k offerings or okay. the fund funds that their fund manager or their financial advisor had advised them into. And then looking at the expense ratios and seeing if there is a alternative kind of a DIY option that they can pursue. And then um, just kind of talking through what that process will look like. What does um, kind of wrapping their head around what they're getting with their current arrangement and their service versus like if they were to do it on their own, what that could look like. And then um, being able to speak to like someone like myself who doesn't really, you know, have any representation with any of the investment firms. It's I'm just sharing what I do personally with my own money after all the mistakes I've made. So yeah, I think that's one of the best ways to um, prepare. And at the same time, like if you think, if you just want to talk to somebody uh, without being sold anything, um, I think that's, you know, kind of uh, um, the service that I'm providing. So if you if uh, you think that, that could be a value add, you know, you can always go to my website and learn more about it. Financialtortoise.com? Yes. Yes. Okay. But to be fair, you did graduate from a top 20 MBA school. I mean, it's... Oh, a while back, so, yes. So, so you you still have you you have some yeah. financial knowledge. I mean, beyond the you know, you had some didactic training. Uh, to be fair, some uh, some yes, a lot of a lot of. Uh, I guess I, I've learned the quant portion of it, but then my emotional behavioral finance portion wasn't developed. That was uh, that was okay. developed later on with a lot of other mistakes that I made. So <laughs> awesome, yeah. Well, well, I've asked you a lot of questions. Is there anything you would want to tell um, the forty thousand? Um, YouTubers I've got following me or the pharmacists out there um, about uh, finances. And um, I, I love your your tagline um, where we you know grow money slow and steady. But anything you would want to uh, make sure that they know? Yeah. So I think um, just the idea that uh, money doesn't have to be complicated. Um, that is something that, you know, and a lot of the pharmacists that you know, that you, you speak to, they all got to that point because they're super intelligent. Um, so then, you know, this money stuff is something that, you know, uh, that any one of us can learn if we spend the time. And um, on my website, I list out all of the personal finance books that I personally read and then glean a lot of knowledge from to help me filter out the noise that's out there as regards to how to make money, how to invest, um, so I think that's kind of the big, I guess, uh, kind of the message that I want to kind of, you know, always impart upon to other people is that like money doesn't have to be complicated, like the media and the movies make it out to be. This is something that anyone, you know, if you just put in the time that you can learn and then you can manage, and then you're the one that's driving it, um, versus letting someone else drive it. No, that sounds fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for being on the pharmacy residency podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been the Pharmacy Residency and Money Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You might want to check out our available residency audiobooks at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com forward slash books, or you can get your first book free if you've never been on Audible before. You can work one-on-one -on -one with me to get a better residency that will better suit your career, health, and wealth at residency.teachable.com. Feel free to send an invite to Tony D on LinkedIn or email me at tonythepharmacist at gmail.com. Music was by Policy.